Welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast from the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, and we're recording live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out our Facebook page, search for Coach Bono Show. You can also email us at coachbonoshow at gmail.com. This is episode 24. A little Coach Bono, Coach Bo rants here this week. Before we get too started too far into, I want to give a plug to my main man, Tyler Jones, and the Jones Report. Don't know if you're subscribing, but Tyler Jones, his, his partner, Thomas Bridges, they have a really unique perspective on the sports world. And they got some featured guests. They're great. I do a little spot on there every week. Um, I hope you guys have some time. Check it out. You can get it everywhere you get this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Anywhere you get my podcast, you can also get theirs. So look for the Jones Report from Studio Soapbox. Well, we're through the little plug there. And I want to start. We're going to go a couple little places. We're not going to keep this too long today. Um, Just had, we're recording this Sunday night. And, uh. I was at home. My wife was out of town. I was making making dinner for me and my my son, and I decided to watch the end of the Pro Bowl. Now I did not watch the full Pro Bowl. I don't know why anybody would waste their time. But then I took to Twitter and I took to the to the Instagram and kind of looking around, and boy, people were just not happy with uh, the the Pro Bowl. Talking about they're playing two hand touch and this is bullshit and everything else. Folks, what do you expect? These players are out there to get a free trip to Vegas. They're not playing because they want to show off their skills. They're paying because they're taking the free trip. And it's an honor to be, you know, given the designation of a pro bowler. But at the same time, they're just trying not to get hurt. They're professionals. So, yeah, it's going to be a little two-hand touch. And if you're one of these people who are gambling on this, get a life. If you gambled even a dollar on the pro bowl, you, my friend, have a problem. So let's just get that out of the way right now. Just I, If you're doing that, yeah, the Pro Bowl, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. It shouldn't be something you gamble on. Watch seriously. What you ought to be doing is doing laundry, cleaning the house, or some kind of household chore that on and just in the background. Don't waste your time on the Pro Bowl. It's just a filler. The NFL's got to fill something on Sunday night the week before the Super Bowl. So... Unless you want the Super Bowl to be right after the conference championship, you're going to have to deal with it. So a little quick rant in there. Hey, I want to jump in. This past week was um, National Signing Day for college football. Um, This has become a joke now. Um, Now we have an early signing period where the majority of the best high school players in the country did the actual committing, and then they signed this week. But most players knew where they were going, what they were going to do. And... I guess my question here, my thought, and I want to get this out there to people, is thinking about the National Signing Day, this was something that used to be really looked forward to. You know, the kids had their four or five hats, and they would choose a hat. Sometimes there was some suspense, sometimes there wasn't, but it was something that people, you know, the kids had their day. But now, and I think it's twofold, it's the early signing period, but also the portal. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a coach at the college level, and he says, really, the National Signing Day is nice, and we get to know what's coming in, but we know a lot of these kids 
may or may not be here. We know a couple of them are going to leave. Uh, that the, the transfer portals become sort of a problem. In some ways, you get a kid who's in, and they decide they're not happy with where they are after a year. Maybe they're not a good fit for the system. I do like the transfer portal when there's a coaching change, those sort of things. But it's basically become free agency. Uh, I got a kick this weekend out of looking. Uh, Lane Kiffin, Old Miss coach, uh, posted an Instagram post where it was him as Joe Exotic. And instead of leaning toward the, the lion, he was leaning toward a, a picture that said the portal. And he's the portal king. because He's got a new quarterback, a new running back, and some other players. Um, Lane, that's not a good look for you. I, I, I don't think that's a good look to be the portal king. Uh, it, I'm not saying this is somebody's leftovers, because we've certainly seen some outstanding players go into the transfer portal and do great. You know, look at Jalen Ramsey, look at Joe Burrow. Uh, there's been other examples of that. Um, Russell Wilson, even going back a number of years before it was called the portal, when you had to be a graduate, did it as well. But um, I don't think that that's something I would be too popularizing myself on. Maybe that's you know his way of saying, "Hey kids, if you're not happy where you're at, you know Papa Kiffin will take you." Um, I don't think that's a good look, but you know to each their own on that. But I do think the portal has taken away from the National Signing Day, and the excitement that was built around that. Uh, the kids are going back to these high school kids, and now we're seeing because of the portal, people are moving around who are already in college. And you get the high school kids who really aren't able to enjoy the uh, their, their, their day in the sun, if you will, as much. So just a, a, a random thought on that. I wanted to bring that up. Um, next little thing I wanted to bring up, and we're going to kind of run through some stuff quickly today, and... Uh, it's Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, the, the, we're, we're in the lockout. The lockout is still going. It appears the lockout has no end coming, uh, which is a shame. Uh, I know that uh, Major League Baseball has asked the Players Association to agree to a mediator. Um, the mediator, the, the Major League Baseball Players Association has said they will not agree to a mediation. Uh, they will not agree to it because they're saying, hey, we're locked out. We're not here in this discussion because... We're here. We didn't put us here. You put us here. I think they have a point. Uh, Max Scherzer, who is, uh, of course, the free agent pitcher who had just signed with the Mets before the, before the uh, lockout started, he's been one of the very vocal people on the committee and been, as we've spoken about here, very talking about how the um, Major League Baseball players and the association are really looking out for the rank and file. And he had a couple of great quotes. Uh, in first about the mediation, Scherzer said, we don't need mediation because what we're offering major ball, major, uh, MLB is fair to both sides. Uh, Scherzer thinks that the offer they've made is fair, at least discuss it, and Major League Baseball won't even discuss it now. It's, they're not even looking at the, at the uh, players' uh, bargaining. The other quote I thought here was great. This really encapsulated what the Players Association is thinking about and what they're saying. Uh, Scherzer says, we want a system where threshold and penalties don't function as caps. We want, we want to allow players to realize more of their market value, make service time manipulation a thing of the past, and eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. So we're seeing from what Scherzer's quote is here exactly what the Players Association is looking for. They're saying, hey, we want, to, we want players to get their fair market value. And he's not talking about 
the people at the top. What he's really talking about is the people kind of in the middle. He's saying the pair market value of these young players who are getting put into arbitration, they want to end arbitration or they want to shorten it or the time until you get to arbitration. Um, make service time manipulation thing of the past. This is something I think is key. Uh, we've used the examples. We've seen these since going back to Chris Bryant. The most recent one was uh, Vladimir Guerrero was one a couple of years ago where the uh, Major League Baseball teams were holding their players back from participating in moving up to the Major Leagues because they're not wanting them to start their clock, so to speak, because they want to keep them from being able to go to um, any sort of arbitration early. And I think that's bullshit. I think that that's something that I stand with the players on on that. I think that that's something that needs to be a thing of the past. And then this is the most important one, and this is to me something I'm going to get into here in a second. And this is to talk about tanking. Uh, Scherzer's quote, eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. Tanking has become a serious problem in Major League Baseball. I counted this out in 2021. I had it down as no more than 12 teams that were actively tanking. I'm going to read these off. 12 teams. So in the, in the American League, Baltimore, Detroit, Kansas City, Minnesota, and Texas. These are teams that were tanking. That means they, were player, they weren't signing players. They were taking their better players and trading them. Uh, like Texas did with Joey Gallo, Minnesota with Byron Buxton, just a few things like that. These are teams that aren't trying to win. They're trying to rebuild through the draft and manipulating the team through service time and, and, and really just tanking. They're not care if they're winning or not. They're getting their revenue share, and they don't care. In the National League, we got the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the Pirates, the Nationals, the Marlins, the Cubs, and the Mets. These are teams that all tanked in 2021. The Cubs is the unbelievable one. I mean, the Cubs and the Mets both. Um, you know, the Mets now have spent a bunch of money, and they're doing a bunch of the things that they should be doing um, as far as getting some players, including adding Max Scherzer. But with the new now that they have a new ownership, but they decided that first year they weren't going to spend any money. They didn't want to be competitive, and it showed on the field. The Nationals did this just a year or two years after winning the World Series, uh, which is just ridiculous. I mean, a couple of years ago, they shock everybody, they win the World Series, and then they just go into full-on tank mode, and they're trying to now say they're building around Juan Soto. I don't think Juan Soto's staying there. I think the first time he has a chance, he's going to break camp because, well, if they can't start building now, what's the use of wasting his prime years there? And then the Cubs one is the one that just it kind of reaches in my crawl because here's a team that was successful, had built up well, manipulated the system with Chris Bryant, with Kyle Schwarber, and, and brought up you know Javier Baez and uh, Anthony Rizzo, had them all at the same time, and now none of those four are with the Chicago Cubs. None of the four. If you'd have said that to a Cubs fan two years ago, you wouldn't have believed that none of those four guys were there. And that's what it is. It's tanking. It's tanking to save money on your payroll, which, again, I understand you're a business, but you're tanking on the field. You're saving money on payroll, but what you're really doing is trying to say, tell your fans, well, we'll win in three years, in five years, in ten years. It doesn't work that often. And it's really something that I think is a major, major problem in Major League Baseball. 
I mean, I looked at it as I thought there was about 10 teams that actually gave a damn last year. I think this is going to be a continued problem unless Major League Baseball comes around and the Players Association keeps fighting and can win to eliminate some of the service time stuff. That's the big one to me. And then also the function of not having a salary cap or a salary floor. The salary floor, I think, is really the most important piece. And, and then allowing these young – and then having those thresholds, the taxes, and the penalties, those are just kind of slaps in the wrist for people, for teams like the Dodgers or like the Yankees or like the Red Sox that want to spend more money. Hey, I'm a Red Sox fan. And I love the Red Sox were willing to spend money. They didn't in 2021 after the Mookie Betts fiasco of 2020. But what they decided to do was, okay, they're going to take a step back and then move forward. Well, that's okay if you're fielding a competitive team. I felt the Red Sox did that last year. I felt the Yankees did that last year. Um, but really and truly, the small market teams, the ones who are getting that tax revenue, those are the ones that need to step up. And I'm, I'm looking right at you. Arizona Diamondbacks, Colorado Rockies, Kansas City Royals, Minnesota Twins. You guys have got to step up. Now, I can argue that Texas Rangers already have. They signed two players and getting Corey Seager uh, and, and spending almost a half a billion dollars on two players in soft season. So you can see where it's at, but you've got to spend some money. So there's a little heads up there, a little point I wanted to get across. That came across me, me this week, and I really wanted to say something about it. So. Hey, while I got you here, I want to bring up Trunk Club. Trunk Club is one of our great sponsors here on the Coach Bono's podcast. And I don't know if you've tried it yet, but if you haven't, you need to go to the show notes. You need to click on our link in the show notes. Save $50 on your first trunk. I just got my winter workwear trunk, and I absolutely loved it. You can go to trunkclub.com. Use our link so you can get $50 off of your first trunk, and you can see all the different inspirational styles. Things like the, the festive dressing trunk, the winter essentials trunk, the winter weekend trunk. Or you can create your own based upon your own size, style, and budget. They have a great app where you can preview your trunk in advance. If you don't like something, they'll take it out, replace it with something else if you want. I really, really like Trunk Club. It's something I've used personally. A lot of us in my family, a couple of my friends use it now. And I'm telling you, everyone's liked it so far. It really is a cool deal. It's a great way to spruce up that wardrobe. We've all kind of been inside the last couple of years. It's been kind of hard to go shopping. And dudes, none of us like going shopping. I don't like shopping. I know you guys don't like shopping. So check it out. And also, are you wanting to surprise your lady for Valentine's Day? Man, check out get her something on Trunk Club. If she doesn't like it, you can always send it back and try something else. Again, there's kind of some good ideas, some things out there. Try it out. Again, go into the show notes. Click on the link. You can do it while you're listening to me. Check it out right now. I appreciate it. Give it a try. Trunk Club, $50 off when you use our referral link. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Last thing I want to talk about, I'll talk about two quick little things, and I'm going to get out of here. First one, I'm not going to preview the Super Bowl just yet. We're going to do that, Ellen and I, on the point five on Friday. We're working out a full preview, the game predictions, everything. Yeah, folks, you guys know who I'm picking already. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not going to leave my man leap behind. So, But I want to talk about the two teams themselves, the Rams and the Bengals. And I think this is what's interesting. And you're going to hear a little more about this this week, I think. But I find how these two teams were built to be fascinating. 
Um, I find the whole business of sports, as most of you know, to be very fascinating and very fun. And I love that these two teams were built completely different. Let's talk about the Bengals first. The Bengals have traditionally been one of the two or three biggest loser teams in the NFL. I mean, they're right down there with the Lions and the Browns. Um, Mike Brown is the owner of the Bengals. His father was the original owner of the Bengals when he was an expansion club. Uh, they have never been good owners as far as you know, trying to be active in free agency, sign great players, uh, be ahead of the curve and making their players happy. The kind of things that owners like Jerry Jones do, the kind of things that you know, the owners, you know, um, you know, things that we're seeing in just about every other NFL club. I mean, look at what, um, you know, um, what they, the Chiefs have done in the last couple of years where they're getting a few free agents and they're willing to spend some money that, I mean, Clark Hunt's want to spend money when his old man refused to. Um, look at what the Bucks have done. And their ownership decided, hey, we'll spend some money. Obviously, you have Tom Brady that helps. But then to go get some of those free agents, this is something the Bengals have never done. And the Bengals decided they got lucky. I shouldn't say they got lucky. They were just bad enough to get the number one pick in 2020. And in the 2020 draft, they picked the number one pick and they get Joe Burrow. As we all know, Joe Burrow is a stud. He's the best player, one of the best players in the league now already. He's already in that top echelon of great quarterbacks. And, and someone who had a lot of pedigree. You know, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. You know, undefeated his senior year at LSU. Broke every damn passing record you can do. I mean, he was incredible. And, and number one pick, and I think he's going to be a fantastic player. If he stays healthy, he's, you know, he could be destined for the Hall of Fame. Their team is built on the draft. The last few years, guys like Jamar Chase in this draft, uh, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, these were all players, Sam Hubbard, these were players they drafted over the last five years, and for the most part, they've hit on their first round picks. They've done fairly well. You know, going into the 2021 draft this past year, there was a big to-do on who should uh, the Bengals draft. Should they draft Jamar Chase, which, I mean, they did, it was, I think it was a pretty good choice at this, at this point. Or should they draft Penne Sewell, who ended up going to Detroit a pick later? And the thing with Sewell was people were saying, well, here's your you know, left tackle for your star quarterback. Uh, you know, Burrow was a big believer in getting Chase. They played together at LSU, obviously. Uh, Chase did sit out the 2020 uh, college football season. And so you know, there was a little bit of question marks there. Obviously, the Bengals made a good decision. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon was someone they picked up a couple of years before in the second round, really a first-round talent, picked up in the second round because of a couple of the off-the-field things. But, you know, those are the kind of things that if you're one of those teams like the Bengals that are, you know, scared to flex the pocketbook, you can't miss first off, but you have to get the quarterback. And the Bengals have been lucky enough to do that. Now, to their credit, in the last two off-seasons, they have had a couple of decent, I call them midline free agency pickups. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, who's their edge rusher, who came over from New Orleans. Eli Apple is one of their corners who, um, you know, Eli's not great by any means, but he's serviceable. He's a great athlete. He's a, he's a much better tackler than most corners and uh, someone who's bounced around a little bit. He was, he's a first-round guy. He was a Giants first-round pick with the New Orleans, with the Carolina you know, the Bengals get him for a song, and he's been very serviceable. He was not great in the first half of the conference championship game, 
but he was he's serviceable in the right situations. Uh, one of their big pickups was Von Bell, someone else they also signed, who brought in uh, after the 2020 season and has been really good cleaning up the defensive backfield. So it isn't even like it's a mix of old and new. These were all younger, talented, lower-level to middling free agents. To, you know the examples I just gave you, and then the really young, uh, you know, studs on the offensive side. But really and truly, it's built around the one guy in Burrow. I'm interested to see what the Bengals will do after the Super Bowl. You know, if you watch the championship game, Mike Brown didn't look he even wanted to be there, and I don't think he's going to want to be there if they're on the. Even if they win the Super Bowl and he's up there on the podium, watch him. Watch that old guy. He doesn't look like he has much interest in what's going on. And if you know some of the history of the Bengals, you'll know that they're the one team that doesn't have an indoor practice facility. They make their players walk across a parking lot and play on an, on an open field. Did I mention it? Cincinnati? The winners can be kind of harsh. And they do this every day. It's actually under a highway. You can drive over and watch practice. I mean, you Fleetingly, you can't really stand there on the highway, obviously, but um, it, it's a cheap organization who has gotten extremely lucky to have the gift of all gifts dropped in their lap in Burrow, Chase, you know, Mixon, and, and on down the road there. It's interesting to see what will happen after this season. You know, I mean, Joe Burrow only signed a four year deal, he didn't send the traditional first round five year deal. I think he hedged his bets a little bit, and I think that. If he doesn't see the Bengals do some things these next couple of years, I think we might see, you know, Joe Burrow and a couple of those guys asked to get out of there. You never know. Right now, you shouldn't worry about the Super Bowl and what's going to be happening. But I find it to be really interesting what's going on with their team. The polar opposite of this is the Rams. The Rams are unbelievable. Uh, very few, they, they have some guys who are homegrown guys. Obviously, Aaron Donald is the guy on that team. He is homegrown, been there since he came out of college. Um, Cam Akers, the running back, was obviously someone they drafted. But if you look, the guys who have been the real guys carrying the water this year, last year, and really this year, Matt Stafford, the big trade they made in the offseason to bring over Matt Stafford, saying, hey, we need a quarterback. They addressed Jared Goff a couple of years ago, and that just wasn't going to be a good fit. They weren't going to win with Jared Goff. Um, before that, this season, during the season, uh, they draft, they make the deal late in the year to bring in Odell Beckham. You know, Robert Woods gets hurt. He's someone who was a homegrown guy. So I'm sorry, he wasn't a homegrown. He was in Buffalo for a couple of years, then brought over to the side of the free agent with the Rams. He goes down. What do the Rams do? They say, hey, let's reload. Let's not wait. No excuses. We're all in right now. They make a trade to get Odell Beckham. A Von Miller trade. Hey, we need more, more stuff up front in the defensive line. Let's go get Von Miller. Uh, and that was great for the Broncos. They're trying to load up on draft picks. Uh, this team last couple of years also made trades for Jalen Ramsey, who I think is one of the best five defensive players in the league. Andrew Whitworth was someone they signed as a free agent three years ago from Cincinnati, who um, is going to finally make the Super Bowl this year. God, I, think, I, I, I hope... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Joe Burrow, obviously, but I love Big Wit. Big Wit's an LSU guy too, and I'm, I, I'm really happy for Big Wit to make the Super Bowl. But if you look, the, the difference between the Rams and the Bengals—it's just night and day how they built this team. The Rams are the only team in the league that don't seem to care about the salary cap, at least the dead cap. 
what I mean by dead cap is you let a player go and you cut them, but you still owe them bonus money on the cap. They took a huge cap hit last year, a couple of big ones this year. They managed to get everything in, everything under this year. They're just right at the cusp of it all. They get there, and they have traded their future, basically. They don't have a first-round pick for the next three seasons. They don't have a second-round pick for the next three seasons, and they don't have a third-round pick into the 2022 and 2023 draft, which means that the Rams, as of right now, will not pick until Saturday on the draft weekend, not until the fourth round. And I don't suspect they're going to be able to make any deals to move up. It just, right now it is what it is. They're all in for this one season. And that's so hard and so rare. But we have seen it happen a couple times now. The, the Bucks were kind of the same thing last year. They went and got Tom Brady. They looked horrible in the beginning of the season last year, if you remember. I mean, they were at a point where it looked like they weren't even going to make the playoffs. They run off five in a row to end the season, get in as a wild card, and then run the table all the way to the Super Bowl. And maybe you could say, well, that's Tom Brady. But it's Tom Brady. It's Leonard Fournette. It's uh, Antonio Brown, who they went and got late in the season, kind of in an Odell Beckham type of deal. Uh, Gronk, all those things. Um, and Sue on the defensive side. So it's interesting because I think if you're willing to spend the money, if you want to do what the Rams and the Bucks did last year, what the Rams are doing this year, I think it can work. Got to have that quarterback position, and you better be damn sure, and you better be ready for some sort of contingency plan if you have a major injury. Um, but the Bengals side, how often do you find a Joe Burrow? I mean, think about it. I mean, we're kind of blessed right now. We've got these four or five guys in the AFC that look like they're legit. You know, Burrow and Mahomes and and Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. You know, those guys. If you've got those guys, it's great, but you can't miss when you, you are drafting around them, and you've got to get the success early because eventually it's going to cost money for those guys. The example of this was you know a number of years ago in Seattle when they had Russell Wilson. They won the Super Bowl with the young Russell Wilson, and they had that great defense, Legion of Boom. Well, eventually you got to pay the quarterback, and when you do, it represents so much of the cap that the defensive players – are going to have some issues. They're not going to be able to keep all those guys. Um, looking at the Chiefs as an example, though, Mahomes has a pretty friendly team contract. I know it seems like it's a lot with the $400 million price tag, but he really signed that without big a big upfront bonus. And so his number can be manipulated each year. I expect his number for this coming year will be manipulated quite a bit into a new kind of bonus structure. So it can be done. And I would say that there's a couple of teams like the Chiefs, like Buffalo, um, you know, wherever Aaron Rodgers lands will be another will be another one. These are teams that they can get built really, really quickly if they get the quarterback and the team's willing to spend money. And sometimes some of these free agents come in for a little less money trying to chase the ring, like Beckham has, like Von Miller has, uh, in the trade situation there. Um you can get away with that. Your quarterback needs to take a little bit less, too. Stafford's not getting paid all he could be getting paid. Brady didn't take as much as he could have gotten paid. So there are some ways to do it. I just find it interesting, and there's some teams out there. Again, I, I'm staring right at the Kansas City Chiefs here. The Chiefs are the team that free agents should be trying to knock on their door 
to come in and want to play with them, to play with Mahomes, to play in that offense, uh, to play on that defense and say, hey, if we can get this defense right, and really they did down the stretch. It wasn't the defense that stopped them from getting into the Super Bowl. It was, it was the offense, folks. Um, but I think if you see some things, there'll be some players out there. We'll talk a little more about what some teams are going to do here in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk four or five teams and say, hey, here's what these teams can do. Um, I mean, the Chiefs are a prime example. I mean, Buffalo is one of those teams that players are going to flock to because they may want to play with Josh Allen, you know, that kind of thing. I think the Bengals are one of those teams that a few of these big-time free agents, especially on the defensive side of the ball, are going to say, hey, a good defense, a good offensive line, and that team's really good, and they have salary cap, uh, plenty of salary cap room, so they could get even better. So it'll be interesting. I think this is a really interesting dichotomy of the Super Bowl, the two different styles of teams here. So we'll see how it goes, the Rams versus the Bengals. Keep that in mind as you're watching the game this next weekend. We will break it down from a lot of different angles on Friday's podcast. Ellen and I will go through that quite a bit. We're going to be really, really heavy on Super Bowl coverage on Friday. Hey, last thing I got, and I thought this was funny. Um, the Washington football team has chosen a new te- new name. They're going to now be the Washington Commanders. Um. I don't like this name. I, I don't dislike it. Let me. I'm not one of those guys. Oh, they changed the name and get all you know upset with the woke folks. Um, there was a couple. I have the list here. This is the list of the eight teams that were the, the finalists for the for the name. Uh, they went with the Washington Commanders. The last ones were the uh, the Washington Armadas, the Washington Brigade. Um, the Washington Defenders, the Washington Presidents, the Washington Red Hogs, the Washington Red Wolves, and the Washington football team, keeping that. I wasn't against keeping Washington football team. I thought it kind of had a little bit of a European soccer feel. I don't know, in, in America, that isn't a good thing, but I liked it. I also, frankly, I liked the Defenders and the Brigade. were probably the two favorites that I liked. Um, I think the Brigade would have been the one I would have gone with. I think the commanders is kind of got a weird kind of connotation. You know, people are going to they're going to start chanting commies and stuff like that, and it's going to be strange. I, I I think it's another situation where the Washington the Washington Commanders now have not in their front office visually thought about what could happen. They didn't take the flow chart of okay, what bad can come of this, and when they didn't think about that then now you end up with commanders. So um, I've seen a couple different things out there. One of them I'm not even going to talk about. I think it was just really, really um, racially motivated. Um, we might even we might bring it up this week on, on Thursday, but I thought it was just pathetic and uh, that sort of thing. So, well, listen, I wanted to keep this one short today. We're going to be a little over 30 minutes. Thank you for joining us this week. We're going to be back th- on uh, Friday. Be myself and Ellen. We're going to talk all about the Super Bowl. Uh, NFL coaching hires. I got asked a lot about NFL coaching hires, and I am not going to cover NFL coaching hires until after the Super Bowl. I'm going to hit them all at once. I want to break down when everyone's done their hires. We're going to do that after the Super Bowl. We can talk more about, you know, we can see who they are with the GMs, the coaches, the quarterbacks. We'll have some ideas. We may be getting close to March 1st by then and some things where we might see some some talk on who might be getting released. And then I also want to see how these hires are affected by 
the Brian Flores stuff, the stuff that came out. We talked about it at length on Friday. If you haven't listened to Friday's podcast, uh, Ellen and I talked quite a bit. You know, she's got a law background. We talked quite a bit about the Washington, the, um, I'm sorry, not the Washington, but the uh, Brian Flores uh, lawsuit against the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and I can't think of the New York Giants, what all is happening there. Uh, Ellen did read a good majority of the case. She kind of had some opinions on there. A lot of that kind of was where I was thinking, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. We're already seeing some of the news cycle parts of it dying down a little bit, and a couple of teams have been scrambling to make sure they stay out of that fray with some of the hires they're making. But uh, I just, uh, we're going to break all that down a little more probably after the Super Bowl. So, hey, thanks for joining me this week. I appreciate it. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great week uh, as we finish up here. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for for, for listening, downloading our episode. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Give us five stars. We really appreciate it. It helps us a bunch. We do appreciate it. Don't forget to check out Trunk Club. Like I said, in the show notes, got the link. Save $50. We appreciate it when you do that. Also, check us out. Um, check out our other podcasts here on Studio Soapbox. We've got Raw Tools with Luke Slaybaugh, Jones Report, the Bevo Boys. Check them all out. They're great. Um, you know, and again, we appreciate those reviews. All of us do. Whether it's myself or Tyler or Luke, we all appreciate every five-star review we get. So until next time, I'm Coach Bo from Idle Comedy. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. And do something nice for somebody this week. We'll see you on Friday's pod before Friday. Take care.